sporting news, reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk. everyone and welcome to the Sports Desk on this Wednesday morning. I'm Kendra and I'm joined with Luca and Finn. How are you guys today? Yeah, really well. Thanks, Kendra. Really well. Um, it's great to be back on the Sports Desk. We did it last year. Really good fun. How are you, Finn? Yeah, I'm good. This is my first time on the Sports Desk, so I'm excited to be here. Oh, exciting. So we've got a lot of stuff that we'll be covering today, including a bit of AFL, a bit of swimming, a bit of athletics, as well as some NBA. But I think we'll start off straight away with the AFL roundup. Alrighty. So the AFL ladder as it stands um, after all the rounds, Hotelade finished first, winning the minor premiership, equal on points with Brisbane Lions, who's second, Richmond finished third, Geelong fourth. And then West Coast, just outside the top four and fifth. St Kilda, Western Bulldogs, sixth and seventh respectively. And Collingwood rounding up the top eight. Um, now, how do we how do we think uh, the season went for you guys on a personal level as fans of the AFL? Well, I go for Richmond, so it's been a pretty good season. They had a bit of a rocky start, but I'm very happy that they're sitting in third. I think they've got a very good chance at premiership this year. I might be a slightly bit biased, but I definitely think that they've got a really good chance. But I also think that Geelong is going to be one to watch because they have done very well. And I know they're up against Port Adelaide this week and Port Adelaide are playing at their home ground, but I do think that Geelong will have a really good match and I reckon that they're also a real contender for the premiership. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. I don't I don't really follow a team in particular. I kinda do I measure on like footy footy tipping and then like AFL super coach. That's what I do normally. But I I think that I hope I guess I'm a Collingwood fan because all my friends like lots of my friends are Collingwood fans. So I kind of I don't think they'll win because they're obviously eight. Eighth, but you never know with uh, some up- upsets might happen this year. I'm not really sure who's been the strongest team so far this year. Oh, um, I'm gonna. Well, I think that I think this top eight have all had a fair share of being quite up and down this season, especially because it is quite a different AFL season. But I do think Port Adelaide they've stayed on top consistently throughout the season, so I think that they're probably. Like on paper, the stronger team. I don't know. What do you think, Luca? Yeah, Port Adelaide. Um, they're the first team since Essendon in two thousand to be on top of the ladder since round one and finish on top of the ladder as well. In saying that, it's a shortened season. They haven't played everyone twice either, so it's the circumstances are a bit different. Um, I am a Port Adelaide fan, so it's been very nervous and to watch this whole season go through, just nail biting stuff from. Start to finish. Um, so I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So as a Port Adelaide fan, how do you reckon they're going to go against Geelong this week? Well, we did lose to them in the during the regular season, um, so I'm a bit worried. We are home, um, but I think hopefully touch on wood, we get over the line. It's going to be a very close match, though. I, I do believe it will be very close. 
One team I'll be interested to see how they go is the Western Bulldogs because they might do what they did in 2016. They were quite far down on the ladder and ended up becoming Premier. So I'm really interested to see if Luke Beveridge comes out with similar plan going forward considering that he has been in this situation before. Where were they on the ladder in 2016 when they won? I know they're – I've got to check this, but I know they're in the – It would have been 7th or 8th, I think, because they played – yeah. How do you guys think uh, having the grand final not at the MCG will affect the teams? Do you reckon like some teams like I guess Brisbane or uh, yeah, even Port Adelaide might benefit from it not being like such a Victorian dominated sort of uh, finals? Yeah, I definitely for a lot of the Victorian teams, they're going to struggle because they aren't in their home grounds and also they've been in the hubs, whereas these teams have played pretty much the whole season at their home ground. So I definitely think they are having the advantage. But then again, they have been playing like this for the last few weeks. So I think that it's all pretty even now. Yeah, that hub lifestyle. I um, heard one reporter saying it might have worn down some Victorian teams, but he was probably just downplaying that effect a bit. I don't know. Brisbane, like they have extra motivation to like reach the final. It's in Queensland. It's, in, it's, at, it's at Gabba. Um, it's also going to be at night time because they can't play. I think it clashes with the Cox Plate or um, the light yeah. as well at twilight. It'll affect the vision, I think, from a certain angle. So, yeah, it's at 630 as well. Um, but yeah, Brisbane. They they were in this position last year, I think. They, they hosted Richmond at this stage as well. And we all saw what happened there. But maybe they've learned something. We all never know. It's hard to predict this season, I think. Now, who who do you think um, will make the grand final? Just this, like ahead of time, your prediction. Oh, I'm going to say I really think it's going to be between Richmond, I am biased though, so take that into account, and Port Adelaide. All right. All right. Finn, how about you? Um. I hope it's Brisbane, just because they haven't been there for ages, and Port Adelaide as well. Give two teams that aren't normally the the chance, I guess, in the grand final. Nice. Um, what about you? I'm, al- I'm also going to go with Port Adelaide Brisbane, just because they finished equal on points, um, and it'll be good to see where the two sides have come. They both have recently uh, young young teams, young squads. Um, yeah, Brisbane playing at home in front of the Gabba. And Port winning the minor premiership. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin. I'm Finn, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Luca and Kendra. And now we're going to do a quick wrap up of the women's cricket and Super Netball scores. And I'll tell, I'll ask Luca if he could tell us those. Yeah. So uh, on the weekend, Australia played New Zealand in uh, T20 ODI International. Um, Australia won by 17 runs, scoring 138 in 20 overs. Um, New Zealand, 121, seven wickets. Uh, notable players on the day were Elisa Healy and uh, Ash Gardner. She came in when Australia were 82 and 5, and she scored 61 from 41 balls. So very impressive there. Um, and over to the Super Netball, uh, Sunshine Coast Lightning uh, lost to the Melbourne Vixens, 54-58. Uh, West Coast Fever went down to the Adelaide Thunderbirds in a close one, 
63-64 to the Thunderbirds. Uh, it was the scores were tied at the end of the game against New South Wales Swifts and the GWS Giants, 77 apiece. And the final game of the weekend, Collingwood Magpies uh, went down to the Queensland Firebirds, 63-65. Now let's uh, have a quick. Uh, the French Open started over the weekend. Um, it's third Grand Slam of the year in the world of tennis, and we're just going to give a quick preview of our thoughts and what we think um, the Aussie hopes are in the tournament. As of recording, the round one has kind of started already, but there's still plenty of action to be played uh, in Paris this week. So uh, what, what are we thinking? Um, what are our predictions, previews, thoughts uh, ahead of the French Open? All right, so for the first round of the French Open, we've had... Two of the most notable test players, Serena Williams and Rafael Nadal, smashed their matches. But unfortunately, the Australian one woman went out. Um, uh, James Duckworth lost in straight sets. Uh, Vukic in the men's. Jordan Thompson. Yeah, I guess the big one was Alex, Alex Dimonor. Because he's twenty fifth place, twenty fifth seeded. I guess he was probably the best hope Australia had of winning the 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 Open. I guess. Yeah, lost in straight sets. Kind of disappointing when he had like such a great campaign on the hard courts in the, in the US Open. Yeah, but I guess it's the um the Car. It just changes everything. That's why Nadal's been so dominant there for the last ten years. Yeah, he, he had a straight sets victory as well, as Kendra said earlier. Um, Djokovic, I think, still to play. Uh, Azarenka yeah. and Muguruza, they um, they went through in the first round as well. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how Djokovic go, considering he has had quite a rocky year with everything in tennis so far. But I'm also curious to see if Serena does match Margaret Court's um, record of matches grand slams won she definitely has been wanting to achieve that and she does seem to be getting more and more desperate she does love playing on the clay so i think she's got a very high chance of doing it at the french open yeah i i hope she does to be honest because i i think margaret court isn't she said some things over the last couple of years that aren't exactly um aren't (laughs) probably the best things to say at this time yeah, not exactly the most yeah politically correct person in the world. So you would like to see Serena Williams match it yeah. overtake? Definitely. Although Serena has had a fair share of, let's say, I'm going to say dumb spits. You still think she should be the one to take out the record? Yeah, I feel like she's better... I don't know because I don't think there's anyone else at the moment who's even close to beating Margaret Court at all. Yeah, yeah I it'll, think- be, um, it'll be close. Sorry, she's had chances in the past to like equal the record, like and always yeah. coming so close. You know, like losing in the semis last in the U.S. Open to uh, Azarenka, that that defeat in um, twenty eighteen to Naomi Osaka at the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah, so just several chances. Halep in Wimbledon, that's very same year in twenty nineteen. I, I think with Serena, she's she's such a 
obviously she's one of the best athletes in the world and definitely the best female tennis player at the moment. But I think with her, she's just getting psyched out. She definitely has the ability to do it. She just has been losing focus. I don't know. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's very tough. Like you you see with Federer, like he at like a certain point in your career, the, the body doesn't do what the mind wants it to do sort of thing. She does. She has like a very one of the talented tennis players of our generation, of our lifetime that we we're seeing that we're witnessing, really. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough to watch, you know. Yeah, and I feel like her priorities have also changed now that she's had a baby and everything. I feel like it probably isn't the most important thing to her anymore, as as much as it maybe once was. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Although I think she definitely has been pushing for these tournaments to go ahead because there were questions as to whether um, the US Open was going to go ahead due to COVID. She's definitely one who has wanted this to go ahead. So I I would say she's really keen to play and get this um, title. But, yeah, as you say, she has had a baby. So I think priorities would change. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, the favorite going into the French Open will be Simone Halep. She won the the Rome Open just a few weeks ago, um, defeating Pliskova, the second seed in that tournament. She, Pliskova did go down. Carolina Pliskova did go down with a hamstring injury, so it's the first time she retired from a match, unfortunately for her. But it'd be great to see Pliskova bounce back in a tournament, see how how deep she can go in the tournament. But for me, my money's on uh, Simone Halep taking it out this year. On to the men's side of the draw. Um, who do you think? I mean, Nadal, he's won like 12 French Opens in his career. He's trying to equal Federer's uh, uh, Grand Slam title wins. Do you think he can do it this, this time around? Uh, I think he can win the French Open. But is he, is he one-off equaling Federer? Is that what's the what's the current uh, standings? Yeah, so I think Nadal. Yeah, he's got nineteen, and Federer's got twenty, and Djokovic has seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I'd hazard to guess to say that. Yeah, I do think Nadal will equal Federer this year. Nice. Thanks. Uh, yeah, and Kendra, what, what are your thoughts? Who's, who do you think will go for? Yeah, I reckon he's got it. Um, Nadal, he's very good with his twists on the court, so I think, yeah, the clay will definitely work in his favour and I think he will do really well at the French Open. Uh, yeah, I would say he has a really good chance at bettering that. The one dark horse, I think, uh, would be Dominic Team. Seeing that he won the U.S. Open, um, he like got over that hump of winning a Grand Slam after losing the previous three finals he was in. Uh, he's a, he's a really good club court player, maybe second in the world at the moment to to Rafael Nadal. Uh, and yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where they line up, match up in the semis and the finals as well. Novak did win yeah. the Italian Open as well, I think. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd like um, Zverev to win it just because he's. I feel like he's come so close so many times, yet he just hasn't been able to get over that hump. And I feel like if he got one, he'd probably get more. 
Yeah, so true, so true. Um, all right. Italy, look, I want to see Djokovic redeem himself as well for like the whole schmuzzle that happened throughout the year, organizing that the Adria Tour tournament um, during the height of COVID in Europe, um, accidentally hitting the, the lineswoman, the lines judge. It's just been a horror show, PR-wise, let's say. Good job. Yeah, he's had a bad year. Yeah, I just want to take this opportunity to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on Novak Djokovic from what has happened this year? Because there are a lot of people who are on different sides of the fence. A lot of people see him differently after this year where others are defending him. Do you still see Novak Djokovic as this, you know, great role model, great tennis player, or do you see a little bit of a different side to him? Um, I never – I always thought he was a bit um, on the overconfident side – and I, I don't think he's the greatest of people. He's a really good tennis player. But, yeah, I feel like it was kind of selfish at the start of the year to to um, make that tournament, like uh, create that tournament or whatever he did, host it, and because it was just too risky. And I feel like he's, yeah, he is irresponsible. It just is kind of getting highlighted now. What about you, Luca? What do you think? Well, I think uh, Djokovic in the past... Like, he's grown into this kind of villain role amongst the big three of Federer and Nadal. They play the sport in, a, like a, let's say, a gentlemanly manner in inverted commas, like old-school, traditional kind of way. And what, what Djokovic brings to the game is like a panache. It's like a, a partisan crowd atmosphere to the event. Um, I think it was at the start of this year, there was like that ATP Cup tournament in Sydney. and You could see, like, when the final was Serbia against Spain. It was like a crazy atmosphere with all the fans gathering. And he was like empowering that as well through his play, through his like on-court thing, on-court behavior, let's say. So it was wrong for him to, yeah, organize the tournament. And it was even worse, maybe like on the tennis side of things, to hit the lineswoman. People tried to defend him, say it was an accident. It was like, you don't whack a tennis ball after the play is finished. That's, that's just... Clear, like you taught that in your juniors, you like keep the balls away, like plop them to the side, whatever. But you don't hit stuff out of anger because that's just not on on the tennis court. Twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Sin, we're always on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the sports desk on this Wednesday morning on Sin. I'm Kendra, joined with Luca and Finn. Now we're going to go to some athletics news. We've had two Australian stars, Stuart. Stuart McEwen and Jessica Hull smashed some track records. So McEwen in Doha on Saturday smashed a national record claiming the 1,500-metre record, and he also holds the 3,000 and 10,000 national record. So that is a fantastic result from Stuart. And then we also had Jessica Hull, who has had a brilliant year in athletics this year. She smashed the 3,000-metre women's track record, Australian track record, in a time of 8.36.03, which is very fast. Now, I think these athletes are definitely doing well because, you know, it is the time that the Tokyo Olympics were meant to be held, so these athletes are definitely peaked. But it is a shame that maybe they're peaking too early. I want to ask you guys, do you think that... We've got Australian athletes doing very well this time of the year, but the Olympics are postponed to next year. Do you think that we are going to see the same amount of talent from these runners next year? 
well, I want to be an eternal optimist and say yes. Uh, <laughs> these things, these things happen. Like you peak a bit too early and then you run out of momentum. But if if the training's there and they've got the right management and team around them, I think they can keep themselves motivated, make sure their bodies are in peak condition in time for the Tokyo Olympics next year. Yeah, just hoping that they can hold on to the confidence that, that we are having an Australian team doing so well in these international athletics events. But, yeah, just really hoping that they can hold on to their form for next year because it would be really good to see Australia pick up in the athletics. I mean, Australia do reasonably well, but it would be really good to see a few more medal, Olympic medals to the tally. But, yeah, let's hope that they can keep up this streak of smashing records. All for it. That was that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, we're gonna cut to a EPL roundup, English Premier League roundup. It's a bit of a football news. Uh, yeah, it was a quite a eventful round um, this week. We had uh, Brighton, Manchester United, two three to uh, the Red Devils in a VAR <laughs> infested match. Um, Brighton hit the post I mean, maybe like six times, five or six times during the match. Uh, Maddie Ryan in the goals as well. Um, kind of had, didn't save the last minute penalty with Bruno Fernandes scoring the winner from the spot kick. Yeah. Um, Crystal Palace lost to Everton 2 1. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti's men uh, again get a penalty from VAR and. Uh, they win the match through Richarlison penalty. They're sitting on top of the ladder at the moment. Um, yeah. Who else we have? Ooh, West Brom, Chelsea, three all. This match was quite interesting, Finn, wasn't it? It was quite a. I don't know. Chelsea came back as well, so. Yeah, it was a very. I'm a Chelsea fan, so. But um, yeah, West Brom dominated the first half. They went up three nil. And Chelsea just weren't in it at all. But at halftime, they came back. They were a completely different team. They drew it up in the 95th minute, I believe. And if there were 10 more minutes in the game, they probably would have won and taken it away from West Brom. Yeah. So they just ran out of minutes at the end. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Thiago Silva um, receiving the captain's armband for this match? I mean, it's understandable because he's he's 35. He's probably one of the most experienced guys on the field. Bit of an issue that he doesn't really know how to speak English, and mm-hmm. that's probably what they communicate with mostly. So there might have been a bit of that, but um, as Pilicueta wasn't starting, and he normally takes the captain's armband, and he did. He took it back um, in the 45th minute after halftime. So, yeah, I kind of understand. Nice, nice. Um, other results in the round. Burnley, nil. Southampton, one. West Ham, four. Wolverhampton, nil. Uh, Fulham, nil. Aston Villa, three. Tottenham, Newcastle, one all draw. Um, I don't know about this, this, the Spurs this season. They're just looking a bit shaky at the moment. Yeah, there are a few men short, I think. Obviously, Gareth Bale will help once he becomes match fit. And hopefully they can get a few more players, maybe someone in defense. But if Harry Kane and Son connect, then they're lethal up front, especially with Bale now. 
Yeah, that, I'm I'm waiting for that trio to come in. That'll be so awesome to watch this season, especially against a big team as well. Yeah. Um, crazy stuff. All right. Um, in a, let's say, a Yorkshire derby, I think, Sheffield United, uh, Leeds United, um, these two teams hate each other with a passion. And uh, I'm so pleased that Leeds, from promotion, they get up with Coach uh, Bielsa's new, let's say, team strategy and knowledge. He's like world-renowned as a, as a master coach. And they got up in like the dying minutes of the game uh, with a header, I think it was, and uh, to defeat the Blades at home. Uh, it was such <laughs> – this match was such a tight game, like very end-to-end stuff, uh, missed chances from set pieces. I don't know how many chances Sheffield had in the first half. They could have put away this game too already in the halftime, but – Leeds escaped with the, with the three points. Um, they'll be pleased with that. Six points in uh, three games. Very well done by them. And two big matches, I think. Uh, Man City-Leicester. Man City going down 2-5. But three penalties were given in this match. Game. Three. Yeah, it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Jamie Vardy getting on the score sheet what, like three times, I think. Yeah, he of, got the hat trick. One of the only only him and Lionel Messi have scored a hat trick against Pep's squad. Wow, unbelievable! Stuff. Unbelievable. Man City, I don't know. They're looking a bit fatigued. I think they're not getting into that rhythm. A lot of the teams. They yeah, they need, they need new blood. Yeah, they need yeah, someone sure. new. They weren't relying on getting Messi, and I think they will still get Messi next year once his contract expires. But until then, they kind of have to come up with something new. Because I guess, actually, Aguero and Jesus were out, and they're the main strikers. And they are playing De Bruyne up front, and he's not a striker. So I can understand why they struggled offensively. Do you think Leicester City can, I don't know, keep up with this form? I know it's still early days in the EPL, and it's like hard to predict what will happen during the season. But they started promisingly last year as well, I think. And uh, they kind of went by the wayside as the season went on. Yeah, well, last year was kind of um, lots of teams started off really well and then did terribly at the restart. Um, uh, like Chelsea, for instance, uh, Man United, sorry, they were they played, they didn't lose a game after the restart, and that's why they came third. But uh, I do think they can. I think Vardy is probably one of the best strikers um, in the world at the moment, I'd say. At 34, he's just not stopping. Or 33, I think he is. And I think they can definitely keep up because they're masters at developing players, getting these players from little-known clubs and then turning them into superstars. Yeah, yeah. They even um, bought a player from uh, Atalanta, which from Serie A. They were, like, let's say the Leicester of the Serie A without winning the title. Castagne, he set up one of Vardy's goals, which is pretty good to see. Um, Yeah. And then, let's say another big match this round was Liverpool Arsenal, three uh, one to the Reds. Uh, quite an impressive match, I think. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen the replay or the highlights of it yet, but um, Arsenal just are in a rebuilding phase at the moment. They're not. They don't have any. They re-signed Aubameyang, which I think was crucial, but I don't think they're anywhere near the like a team that they need to be to get into those top four spots. I think probably they're sixth at the moment, realistically. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in those Europa League qualifying places. Um, 
Liverpool, they played uh, new signing Hota, who Diego Hota, he won, sorry, he's from Wolves, I think, and uh, he, yeah, he scored the third goal, but there was a bit of, he, scored, he could have got two if Salah didn't get in his way in, in the penalty box, but uh, yeah, they still played well, Mane, Salah, they're just, they're just a machine up front, you know? Um, unlucky yeah. to concede that uh, Arsenal considered scored first, I think, with a deflected shot. Lacazette over over Allison, but in the second half, Allison was a brick wall, man. Just blocked shots left, right, center. It was unbelievable. Sin, we're young people run the show. You're listening to the Sports Desk here at Sin. It's Wednesday morning. Uh, we've been talking about our AFL prediction, the, the finals preview. Um, we've also been talking about French Open, athletics, uh, women's cricket, netball, all that jazz. You just heard a re- recap of the EPL past round and now we'll be discussing our thoughts and predictions preview of uh, the upcoming NBA finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat um, yeah the Lakers won in uh, five games against the Denver Nuggets the Miami Heat defeated the Boston Celtics in six games so uh, it's a matchup of two very different playing different styles um, but it's sure to be a cracking match what do we what do we think um, of the upcoming NBA finals? Yeah, I think they'll be exciting. I definitely thought it would have been um, the Clippers. To be honest, I didn't think it would be the Lakers, and I definitely didn't think it would be the Heat. So it's going to be very exciting to see what happens. I think. Yeah, the Heat have been playing really well. Um, they're in Florida, the bubbles in Florida. It's not in Miami, it's in Orlando, but still, they've come out. They've been, uh, let's say, the on inform uh, team this uh, this after this COVID nineteen restart. Yeah, Clippers really disappointing, uh, losing to the Denver Nuggets. Another uh, what do you call three one lead lot uh, slipped. Um, they've actually sacked their coach Doc Rivers. It's been confirmed as of this recording. Um, so that's pretty sad. But yeah, Lakers, um, with their Mamba mentality, co- coach Frank Vogel has been uh, very adamant and uh, very, very vocal in the locker room, talking about the Mamba mentality for the Lakers and playing for Kobe and Gigi and making them proud, making the family proud. Um, and then Miami Heat, you've got just, just hustle. They just play with all heart and grit no matter what. They just, uh, very, they've got a great team chemistry, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to ask. You said that you didn't think these teams would make it? No. I thought the Los Angeles Clippers would have made it. I feel like they had the the previous finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard. They had Paul George, who still has something to prove. And they had a super deep squad and in which – like two of them were candidates for the sixth man of the year and every it looked like they had a great coach and it looked like everything was going right for them and it looked like they were they they were never quite there in the in the regular season because of injuries and load management and things like that but i really thought they would have pulled it out against the nuggets and they didn't they lost from having a 3-1 lead and i think they needed to get rid of doc rivers i think it was a smart smart decision by um uh the owner yeah steve uh steve bolmer 
Yeah. From Microsoft. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, like, look, a lot of, like, American sports media have been um, very <laughs> critical of the Clippers. My, one of my favorite sports broadcasters is uh, Stephen A. Smith, and I watched him and Max Kellerman debate because Max Kellerman has been, like, on the Clippers like, since day dot this season, let's say, and amping up the Kawhi Leonard train bandwagon. And then for it to backfire so heavily in his face was so hilarious to watch. I don't know, just a side there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, um, Miami Heat, uh, their coach, Eric Spolstra, it's his first time to the NBA Finals. The previous four visits, um, they had the esteemed uh, LeBron James playing for them. So this is another narrative that has come about. LeBron facing his former coach and former team. Uh, he's also been to the LeBron has been to the finals ten times in his seventeen seasons, which is crazy. Uh, let's see if he can get the job done this time. Uh, what about the supporting? Let's. I don't want to say supporting cast, but the other players on the team, um, notable guys, Anthony Davis. He's, he was he was playing pretty good in the West Coast Finals. Rajon Rondo in that game one and two, um, just. Elite level assists. Yeah, I think Anthony Davis is definitely the best player on that team. I think LeBron is definitely the cornerstone, but I think Anthony Davis is the star. And Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, has been great. It's whether he can stay consistent. But other than that, Kuzma has been getting worse, and Danny Green is not worth $15 million at all. So I think they've got they've had a few hits and a few misses this year. Mm. I'm surprised Dwight Howard has been playing really good coming off um, the bench. Let's say kind of he plays a lot of minutes in the first half and he played a lot of minutes in Game Six towards the end, kind of eliminating Nikola Jokic's presence in the post, uh, just getting all these rebounds and just yapping in his ear, rattling him a bit mentally. Um, but yeah. Caruso, like, it just gives hope to everyone out there. Like, anyone can play this game. Like, I am of the opinion that Caruso is one of the actually the best um, intangibles guys. He plays so hard. If you watch him play, he everyone thinks he's just like a meme and not a real player, but he's so good defensively. He brings so much energy. He may only get, like, four points, one rebound, one assist, but his 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 contributions go way further than the stat line. It almost reminds me of uh, like Matthew Dellavedova, like Delhi in like that Cavs team in 2015-2016. Just like this defensive hustle. Yeah, yeah. In Miami though, like Jimmy Butler playing like a super like Jedi Sith role kind of mentoring his team. He gave all his powers to Bam in the Bam. Oh. Like, like that block in game one in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was insane. incredible. Insane. Yeah. And then just yeah. rounds it off. He took Crazy. over in game six as well. Um, bam, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, I want to say. 32 points maybe. I'm not yeah. sure the exact stat. Incredible. But he was, yeah, nuts. And Tyler Harrow got 37 points in that game for... And just took over completely. 
Yeah, unbelievable play from him, the rookie. Rookie sensation. I think he's, is he from Miami? I don't know. But yeah. He's like a really good finals rookie performance since um, Magic Johnson, I think. Yeah. And it just begs the question, who's going to get... I mean, if the Miami Heat somehow win, which I don't think they will, who would get the finals MVP? What's your vote? Ooh. All right. So... I'd say if Miami win, it'll be Bam. Bam Adebayo. He's just that he's got this X factor at the moment. Jimmy Butler grounds them and like is like there all the time as a presence. But Bam is so explosive. Like he changes the game. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, on the Lakers side of things, I don't want to say LeBron James. I really don't. But it if it comes be. down in the crunch. <laughs> If it comes down to the crunch, like a game C, close our game or something, LeBron's always there. And yeah. for that reason, they probably would give it to him. I'm not sure, though, because if you... I mean, did you see the buzzer beater he hit against the Nuggets, Anthony Davis? Yeah, that's true they, as well. They, they were seeking out Anthony Davis. LeBron was not actively seeking out that ball, which makes me think that he's just relying on Anthony Davis now. It's going to be... From now, it's going to be Anthony Davis is the one they pick out. He's the main man. So would you say, like, the, tor- the torch has been passed? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he's going to be the, the LA Lakers head star for the next four or five years. And hopefully LeBron will stay in the league for another three or at least until his son gets into the league. But I don't <laughs> think I don't think he's at the same level that he will be at. Um, I don't think he'll be at that same level he is now for many, much longer. Cool. Um, who, who do you think is going to win the finals? I think the Lakers in six, but I hope it's the Heat in seven. Oh, interesting, interesting. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Lakers in five with yeah. uh, some OT victories down the line. Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately. But, yeah. Interesting stuff. And now with, like, NBA drafts um, coming up, uh, Minnesota has the first pick, I think. Will they take a ball, brother? They, I'm not sure. The thing is, they. I don't think they need a point guard. And I don't think... Um, I think they'll take Anthony Edwards at shooting guard and play D'Angelo Russell at point guard and then play Carl Anthony Towns at center. And though they'll be the big three going forward. But this draft is so deep and there's not many stars. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of good players going at around the 10 to 25 mark that will become superstars. We just wouldn't know it yet. Interesting take. Interesting take. Uh, yeah, I don't know where. Um, I don't know where Lamelo's going to go. Man. Honestly, don't know. If he goes to like California team, like Glenn State or something, but he'll just be coming off the bench or something. He should yeah. be like a franchise player. I think there will be movement in the draft because I can't imagine Golden State Warriors staying at the number two pick because they'll probably try and trade for a a better player or try and get rid of Andrew Wiggins' contract. Um, and maybe someone like the Knicks or the Pistons move up. But other than that, 
I can't really see anything happening. You're listening to Sin. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin on this Wednesday morning. I'm Kendra and I'm joined by Luca and Finn. We just finished talking about the NBA and now we're going to go on to some swimming news. So the Gold Coast have just been announced to host the national champions next April. So this year the Australian championships were cancelled due to COVID-19 but it's set to return next year in April. And this is going to be quite interesting because not all swimmers around Australia have been able to train this year, especially swimmers in Victoria. So it's definitely going to be interesting how the championships are going to work, particularly because the championships are selection for elite swimmers to qualify for Tokyo, as well as the junior swimmers qualify for junior worlds. Now, I want to ask you guys, do you think it's fair for Swimming Australia to host the national championships like it would any other year, particularly that all swimmers haven't had a fair go at training. All swimmers in Victoria have been in lockdown, so they haven't been able to train the pool, but Queensland swimmers have been able to train. Do you think it's fair? I don't think it is. I don't think that they should. I mean, I don't know what they could do to kind of fair make it fair, but I don't think it's fair that our like Victorian sort of all the Victorian athletes have kind of been put in a really difficult position because they can't leave the state. And they also can't, there's no swimming pools at the moment. Like you could, if you live by the beach, then that's probably the only chance you can get to swim. And even then it's completely different from pool swimming. So I'm not sure how um, they'd exactly do it if they didn't have a private home pool. Yeah, 100%. And also Queensland swimmers tend to dominate as it is in the national championships victorians do well but they're not quite they don't quite clean up as the queensland swimmers do so i think it's going to be very hard for the victorian swimmers who do have the dream of potentially making the olympics next year and also for junior swimmers going to the world so i personally don't think it's fair either but as you said being it's a bit hard to see how they could make it fair what do you think luca um, look, I think if restrictions between like the states, like uh, traveling travel bans get reduced, I guess in the start of twenty twenty one, they could set up like a hub. But that whole preseason kind of gathering that momentum, training ahead of time before the championships uh, occur, that that's definitely an, a disadvantage for the Victorians. So, all right. So we just talked about the swimming and if Victoria being in allowed to do swimming now and to be allowed to warm up was fair. But now we're going to talk about the F1 and the F1 championship. Uh, just on this weekend, they, they, went, they were in Sochi in Russia and they, uh, Valtteri Bottas took out the uh, title, not the title, well, he won the race and, well, Hamilton's still obviously first. But, Luca, what did you think about the race? It was quite a uh, it was quite a race of attrition, I think, um, especially penalties wise. Um, the the FIA stewards introduced a rule where if you touch these sausage curb bollards on turn two, you have to take um, like a pen like not a penalty, but go around these extra bollards so you don't cut the corner uh, positively. And that caught out Carlos Sainz at the beginning of the race, and he crashed out. 
hitting the wall, brought out the safety car. Um, a little inconsistent with the penalties as well. Uh, Charles Leclerc escaping with no penalty, so he took he um, clipped Lance Stroll on the first lap as well. And the biggest penalty of all was um, for, for Lewis Hamilton. 10 seconds time penalty for taking those two practice starts in the pit lane, which was crazy to watch in the lead-up of the race. You rarely, It's very rare for these drivers to take practice starts in the pit lane, so I understand what the penalty is. But 10 seconds, was it fair, was it not? It's debatable. It's debatable. Yeah, and especially since both of those penalties got rescinded after the race, I'm not sure if they messed up or not with the penalties or if they should have been five seconds. But I feel like it completely changed the race and kind of screwed Hamilton and he couldn't really catch back up. The the gap between Verstappen and Bottas and Hamilton was just so large and it wasn't really that competitive up the front of the pack. Yeah, not at all. All the action was happening... At, at the back of the race, with like you had George Russell, Alex Albon, and Lando Norris battling out in the first half of the race. It's nice to see like a Twitch game battle, like Twitch race battle happening in real life. Yeah. Um, who else? Yeah, Pierre Gasly came through at the end of the race after he went long on his pit strategy. Um, Ricardo, after receiving a five second penalty, he um, what do you call it? Maintained fifth place by just driving faster and not complaining over team radio. <laughs> That was a bit of a swipe at Hamilton, was it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But <laughs> he's Hamilton's a world champion and he's used to winning. Ricardo hasn't won in a while, so he has a different he like, hasn't mentality even at the moment. Podium place for a while. Yeah, exactly. So they have this there's this bet also going on between uh, Cyril Abitbul, the Renault crew chief, and Ren, um, Daniel Ricardo. If once he gets a, a podium with Renault, uh, uh, Cyril has to get a, a tattoo of Ricardo's liking. Yeah, uh, but they haven't got long. I mean, I think we're halfway through the season, yeah, something like through. that. Yeah, so it'll be – I think Hamilton's already basically got it on lock. The Mercedes cars are just too good. Yeah, all, all you can help hope is that Verstappen splits a Mercedes car at the end, so like gain points on either Mercedes driver in the championship. Like Bottas gained an extra I don't know, 10 or 11 points on Hamilton for, from Max finishing second. But still, it's kind of sad to see. I can't wait for 2022 when they change the uh, regulations and the new generation car coming. Yeah, everything's going to change. And especially, I think they're trying to change the. Um, the way qualifying works, aren't they, with the grid lineup? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I don't know if reverse grid will work out, but no, I think it'll just involve tanking. Like people will just not drive as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting to see. Well, we got two weeks off before the Formula One returns to the Nurburgring in Germany. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for a, another crazy German Grand Prix, let's be honest. Because last yep. year was intense. All right, well, that's it. That does it for the sports desk for, for Wednesday this morning. Um, I'd like to thank Kendra and Finn and myself uh, for listening, for being part of the show. Uh, we've got a, an excellent ripping uh, 
next couple of weeks of uh, the sports test this season. Uh, can't wait for it.